0: All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NBA podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis, and we are going to break down a four-game Thursday NBA slate here uh, with some interesting games going on. Some bad teams. Now, I have a, the uh, the coach of Cleveland. I, the name just escaped me for a second. Did you see this thing where he um, where he, he called? the players thugs in, in a practice mm. and yeah you know it was in, it was in a video <laughs> meeting and um he called the players thugs but then he claimed oh, jim Beelan, sorry i sorry john bieland I, I get him in the 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 bulls coach uh boiling confused which i didn't want to say the wrong name um he claimed he thought he called them slugs is that in the old like i've said something stupid and now i need to walk it back do you think – is that believable enough for you? Just hearing, well, I have like, personal just,
1: experience with this, Doug, okay. because oh, here we go. there was a time when I was <laughs> – <laughs> Let me relate it to me. I think that's the most important thing here. When I was in high school, Doug, I was attending uh, a hockey game between my beloved Town Rams and the dastardly Silver Spoon-touting uh, West Windsor Pirates, okay? And – we hated these guys. They were terrible, you know, little rich, spoiled brats, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. If any of you guys are out there, by the way, I'm over this now, but that was my feeling at the time. And a chant arose among the crowd, screaming F you pirates, except we, the people that were saying this uh, were actually saying the swear word instead. And so at one point, a teacher walked by, and she looked at me and my friend, and she pointed at us, kicked us out of the game, and banned us from all... Uh, attending sporting events we weren't playing in in the future, (laughs) so this was upsetting to me. I got put in the principal's office and the guy asked me, well, he said, yeah, you're you're banned from going to these games, you're causing a ruckus, like it's a bad look, whatever. I said, I didn't actually say that. And he said, well, Mrs. So-and-so saw you saying, I said, how can you see someone? How can you see someone saying something? He said, well, she could tell that you were joining the chant." I said, okay, I'm going to go outside on the other side of the glass. I'm going to say one of the two, the thing you are accusing me of saying, or let's go town and then you'll see if you can guess me correct. I don't want to give it away too much, Doug. It's spoiler alert. He didn't bother with that exercise. He just continued <laughs> to let me stay banned. He did not believe. And I said, watch how my mouth moves when I say let's go Town." <laughs> and I mouthed a few pirates while saying that out loud in his office. But nah, that didn't get the job done. I remained banned uh, for the rest of my senior year. From attending sporting events, but uh,
0: you know, it's crazy. You know. I have like a, I'm not gonna tell it now because, like, this that if we have time at the end, if we're under like the 40 minute mark at the end, remind me, I'll tell you a story. I have an, almost an exact story that I did. I ever tell you my story with a basketball game, or no, I don't think so. Oh my god, because I feel like. I never heard that story for you, and I feel like you never heard this one for me. We're like an old married couple that I felt like we knew. All, I felt like I felt so you like learn we learned all these other stories, by. but there's a chance you don't know this one. If we're under forty, million, there, you, there
1: is a chance because I've done this to you before. There is a chance you have heard my story and then you incorporated it into your memory of your own life. Well, No, 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 because you've done that. You to me, like and your story. Ago, your, story and so you. your, your story is now so
0: similar. Your story now so similar to mine, and I know mine happened because I have like <laughs> I have a paper trail for it that I. Because I got suspended from school, um, and so okay, if we're under forty minutes, I'll tell that story. Because now I'm wondering if you co-opted my story again, because this has happened before for you. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get. <laughs> <Adam. Okay. laughs> well, you know it has, it has, it has hundred percent. We've admitted this before. Okay, so um, we're gonna get into the four games here. Cleveland goes in and plays Detroit. Detroit seven and a half point favorites. In the big news here is that I think Blake Griffin is gonna be shut down for the season with season-ending knee surgery. Pistons are circling the drain. Almost definitely will try to trade Andre Drummond, though. It's a little unclear about what the market even for Drummond is at this point. Mm. So um, I'm sure they want to trade him because he's just going to be a free agent and they're going to get nothing back from him short of a sign and trade in the offseason. Their, their best chance now is probably to get something for him um, in the trade market, although I, that might just be drying up. So I'm not sure I'm not sure what that what they're looking at. And they're just running a bunch of guys out here to see what they have. Um, oh, man, I'm going to say this name. Uh, Semi Boye has been starting. Sure. He's been playing a lot of minutes. Is Drummond, are we in the, the place now where Drummond, Sands, um, Blake, is it like a, a lock? Or has the price come up again uh, too much? Because he's coming again off of like another 2020 game last game. Without Griffin, what are your thoughts here on Drummond and then any other Pistons you
1: like? I love Drummond. Uh, one thing to note about this game, I know you were traveling on Tuesday, but these two teams just played two days ago. Okay. So we, we know not only what they plan to do. In this matchup in this particular injury conditions but we also know how the players you know scored off in the given matchups and drummond was unbelievable in that game i mean he just eviscerated thompson down low 23 points 20 rebounds uh five assists two blocks and a steal and he was just absolutely going off yes the prices come up a little bit but i think there are actually a few different cheaper enablers today and while you probably want to run Harden in two you know not to give away the goat there it's the last game I do think Drummond, a very, very solid center option. I also think center, you know, if Kyle O'Quinn gets a start at center from Philly, then you probably play him. But if he doesn't, center is really, really thin. And I think Drummond almost becomes sort of mandatory just on the basis of there not being a lot of other good center plays.
0: And I, I, I said Sammy, but it's Seku uh, Dombey, who I actually picked up in my experts only league. The second Blake went down, I got him in that deep experts only league. Feeling really very good him. about that one. Um, he's like he's going to throw in some stuff here and there. It's mostly going to be Drummond, but he's actually been able to score. I like Derrick Rose still uh, at plus thirty minutes. He's really he's even off the bench. He's essentially leading the team in shots. He took twenty one shots
1: in that game against Cleveland. Yeah, he he's, started the second half against Cleveland as well, and I think that's important to note. I mean, we'll get note on word on this before tip off tonight but he did start the second half for Sevi, you know what I'm talking about. lead yeah, <laughs> leading the league, guys, whose yeah. names uh we can't pronounce. Uh but Rose the 30 and a half minutes, that was uh, his highest on the season and you know with Blake going down, it really looks like it could be sort of Rose's offense here going forward uh if they trust him to stay healthy. So um, yeah, so I, I like Rose as well.
0: I think the play, the where the Pistons are at this point. Rose is such a cool story that he's been pretty damn good like, playing yeah. this season. Um, it's such a cool story from where kind of he was and where he is now, and kind of was like you know sort of journeyman after being a superstar. He's just getting it done from a, at least from a fantasy perspective. Sure, the Pistons are bad, but at this point, like who really cares? And I I think that if you're a Pistons. I don't even think they have a lot of, like, let's see what we have guys either, like, on the bench. And so it's like it's Tim Frazier and guys like this, Langston Galloway. So I just don't know why you, at this point you wouldn't start Rose and just Well, Rose
1: it. has a better field goal percentage than he did in his MVP season. Like, Rose is having a great season. He's just a really, really good offensive player. Even if he didn't yeah. start,
0: I think I'd feel, I'd feel very comfortable playing him in cash here. On the Cleveland side, thugs or slugs aside, um, we did get Kevin Love, who's, um, you know, basically yeah. been demanding a trade, not going to get it probably because of the contract and he probably he walked himself into that situation where just signing the big money and then not being able to be traded that's that's i gotta say
1: his his example of this i I sort of get it with like paul george right because george is like listen i'm awesome you're going to be able to get an insane package for me um in the case of love it's like buddy you're probably just not a max player right so like don't Uh, like who who, sure you demand to trade all you want no one wants you (laughs) and like
0: you can't be on the court in like a game seven with two minutes left to go because he can't play deep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you'll just get like mismatched to death. Like, I like I don't know what he wants. Yeah. I don't really know what he wants to happen. All right, that's a good comparison. That being said, good
1: DFS play today. He did, uh, did go off against Detroit, and I think he actually presents a lot of offensive problems for them because the guys that they're kind of running through that power forward carousel over there none of them seem to be able to handle loves inside outside game and i think he should be able to crash the boards effectively here uh, he scored a ton of points against detroit he went 39 and 4 against them last game so uh, he's just 7200 on fanduel i it's hard to see a path towards you know manning that position with two plays and one of them not being love for me
0: yeah, I agree with you. Um, I know Chetty Osman took a lot of shots last game. I don't. I'm not always trustful of him. But I'm, I'm probably a little more trustful of that they're just they did play a tighter rotation against the Cle- against the Pistons last time. With 36 minutes for Love, 36 for Osman, 35 and 36 for Sexton and Garland uh, each. So that's the only thing that I think you can be. I think you can feel a little bit better at least about the minutes because those have not always been here. For the Cavs, um, but otherwise, this is uh, in the end, this is two bad teams facing off. But that's why DFS is great because sometimes you can get you can get quality play, you know, at least fantasy plays from two bad teams. Boston goes in and plays Philly. Philly is two point home favorites right now, but it looks like or right it doesn't look like Joel Embiid has already been ruled out of this game. I, I'm assuming that we probably play Horford in every lineup just based on the minutes that he stands to get at center. I'm not sure they start Kylo Quinn. Uh, the game they started O'Quinn against, I believe, was against Indy, and that was when they were facing mm-hmm. off against like the Sabonis Turner Twin Towers. Um, yeah. yeah, and I don't think, and I that's like that's where I think they don't have to do that
1: against Boston here. So I don't know. Horford was awful in that game. That I know Embiid's he has been struggling Eve. at times yeah. this season. I wonder if he's like a little
0: bit injured as well,
1: or uh, just playing through something. We're well, I think molded. the thing I read about Horford is that he just doesn't really get where he fits in on the offense, which makes total sense, right? Because. Right. Embiid does the things that Horford does offensively only better. And the other guy, like Harris, kind of does the other things Horford does, but only better. (laughs) So I think he's just sort of an odd man out offensively. You can play Horford. He's very, very cheap. And just the absence of Embiid probably means Horford's going to play, you know, 34 to 35 minutes and get more looks than usual. But he's not as much of a slam dunk as he would have been for me, you know a few months ago in hearing this news
0: what about the other guys like simmons um who's i believe his usage actually drops a little bit when when Embiid's off the court uh simmons you get harris his usage goes up guys like this i mean we might get a mike scott spot start other thoughts here on the philly side
1: yeah i think well you pay attention to who's starting i think you can probably run either o'quinn or scott based on who gets to start here and i think the other plays are solid i mean right now our system is accounting for Embiid being out and that you know all their usage is adjusted, and it's all in place right now. We got uh, Harris and Horford are in our optimal lineups. That seems right to me. Uh, small forward, another very very thin position today, and you know the usage does stand to go up. Uh, like you said, Philly's still favored by two. If this game is going to be close and they're going to score as many points as Vegas has them projected for, it's got to come from one of these guys that can create, right? So I would be I'd be content running Philly guys today. Uh, we don't have
0: Simmons projected for an overwhelming total. Like, we have guys like Harden and Lillard and Westbrook, even Chris Paul, sort of like in the same Ben Simmons group. And that our projection is probably a little low, but I do want to say about Simmons, his, his game logs are all over the place this season. Yeah, he's got the 72-point fantasy game. He can. There's times where he can disappear, and this game does not rate to be a very fast matchup. It has the lowest total of the night by far, 214.5 total. That's five points behind the Cleveland-Detroit game. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. It will be kind of grinded out. I think people will want to try to jam him in here, um, and maybe some of these Philly guys as well. I'm not so bullish on it, and I and I also get the part where Embiid isn't playing. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be interesting to see just overall ownership because the Embiid thing really, really matters, obviously. But when you take it, when you're able to like sort of mathematically account for how it matters, which I think we are, and then also look at just you know the matchup and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think it just doesn't become as great a play as, um, as I think people will think it is, right? Because they, right now, Boston's Boston's the fourth best defensive efficiency team in the league. And Embiid makes Philly worse. There's just no way, like as a team, Embiid not playing makes them, you know, fundamentally much worse of a team. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I, I think that they'll, my guess is they'll have higher ownership than they should, and I think that we'll – if I if I'm really making guess, I think we'll be on the other side of the ownership, and that's sometimes a scary proposition. And I'm not sure I'd be all that worried about it. What about running Boston guys into, into Philly? Kemba Walker was ejected last night. It looked like it was kind of like a ref show, him getting ejected. I don't think he should have been. Um, looked, he'll probably play. They don't really have any other injury news. With them getting fully healthy, um, you know, how, where do you slot this Boston team in
1: on a, on a short on a short slate? Yeah, it does take a lot of the Boston guys off the table, I believe. Uh, as he kind of rounds back into. You know 30 to low 30s minutes right now no boston guys are showing up in our optimal lineups and i think that's probably for good reason i mean you talked about boston as a bad defensive matchup philly this season has allowed the fewest daily fantasy points of any team and that's rough shape boston third by the way so you know you're getting two tough defenses uh two teams that can really limit daily fantasy production and with boston Guys being priced like Kemba is out and Kemba being back, that's sort of just the perfect storm of not wanting to play any of those guys.
0: All right. Portland goes in and plays Minnesota. The Carl Anthony Towns thing at this point is just a complete joke. Like, the the questionable tag... I know like the NFL polices this really well, where they say, look, if you're going to have questionable tags, when we look at the end of the season, your questionable tags. The guys have to have played in something like 60 to 70% of the games. They have a, they have a firm number on this, on this, on the tag, right? Like they say, in a doubtful, it's going to be like 20%. I'm making these numbers up, but I know they, I know they look at the end of the season and they run it and say, when it's all said and done, if someone was questionable, they need to have played in some certain percentage of games. Okay. Um, And that's just – it's mostly just to keep things fair and to keep, I don't know, betting lines up and to keep fans engaged and, like, just as – look, these are – I'm going to go on a little thing here, but, like, teams are not public entities, but they're public entities. I I know they're privately owned, okay, save, like, the Green Bay Packers, which I think are publicly owned. I think the Celtics at one point were publicly owned. But for the most part, these are privately owned franchises, but they're really public entities. And to be this misleading about an injury tag is, like – it's tantamount to just like a sports crime. I think I know it's not a real, like real world crime. There's real world problems, but Carol Anthony Towns has been questionable for like two months now. He's just not questionable. Like, you know what I mean? Like just make him doubtful. Yeah. It's, it's well, so- maybe
1: he's questionable now, but he certainly wasn't, a month ago. <laughs> I, I mean, that's it's like the, the, the Nets, that's the, the the Nets did something
0: similar with Kyrie. It was a little different. They they labeled him out, like, for a long time, but they never gave any timetables on his return. It, I don't know. My Nets podcast, it drove me totally crazy, and I thought the team was really doing everyone a disservice by being just um, –
1: Yeah, cryptic just, just like,
0: Yeah, just like very cryptic and very just, you know, aloof. Not even aloof about it, but just kind of like, you know, just be in the shadows about it, like not saying anything. The talent thing is arguably worse because, you know, you kind of sell your fans on the fact that, oh, he's questionable, he might play. Right, like you're coming to the games, and you're hoping right. to see him in layup lines. It's really, it's really they're doing such a disservice with this questionable tag. Not yeah. to mention he's been upgraded like, to a game
1: time decision.
0: Oh, great, so. great, whatever. I don't even believe him, so who we'll cares? I, yeah. Like, I'm just no, I don't kidding.
1: either. Yeah, it's it's a bad situation. I, you know, I everything you said in the last four minutes, Doug. I agree with. Uh, I think Minnesota could be a lot better about this reporting. It does matter for our DFS purposes too. Like, you know, the game that he miraculously comes back, it is going to make a lot of these other uh minnesota plays worse you know guys that have seen significant cash game ownership recently like robert covington he's a great play i think it's six thousand with towns out if towns were just to show up tonight that's really going to cut into covington's usage and potentially his minutes too so yeah this is uh this is a shoe that will drop at some point and make some people pretty unhappy uh curious to know your thoughts on wiggins though you know he he missed four games there. He returned. He's been very chalked the last couple games. Great matchup against Cleveland and Memphis and hasn't really gotten there uh, in the high six to low $7,000 price point. Uh, you know, another reasonable matchup here going up against Portland. Can we play him, though? Like, I mean, it's a short slate, so maybe you just wind up having to. But are you concerned at all that he's not fully healthy still?
0: I don't. I'm not so much worried about the health with him. I think he's probably. Or was like having, an
1: illness thing. A crazy, this crazy flu that's going. Yeah, on. Well, he had
0: the flu where he was out. He was out for like a week with the flu. He was out. He was, I think yeah, he yeah. missed four games with the flu. So maybe there's some conditioning Correct. aspects. He did play 33 minutes. I think that what you're seeing from this team more than anything, one, we might be getting back into the old Andrew Wiggins is kind of going back to what Andrew Wiggins was. That could be part of the problem. And then two, the emergence of guys like Culver. Really, Culver taking more shots. Culver at the beginning of the season was not, had like almost no usage yeah. when he was playing. And then with, when Wiggins left, and it was like kind of in that Nets game, and I think the game before, we saw Culver just go crazy with the amount of shots he's taking. And I wonder if that, that in and of itself has, because it would seem like those shots would be almost one to one in terms of their offense. Of like, you know, if he's getting, well, all shots are one to one, because if you take one, other people can't. So I get that's that, that math I get. But the, um, you know, like the Culver, the Culver looks probably the more he gets comfortable and wants to shoot. My guess is that directly takes away from guys like Wiggins. And if you look at last game, yeah. they had almost an equal distribution among the starters in terms of shots 10, 13, 10, 10, 11. That was the four, that was the five starters. And if we're going to see more of distribution like that, where it's not just going to be, you know, you know 15 usage upgrade for wiggins when cats off the court i think that could stand to continue and then you get t coming off the bench too so i'd be worried about being super bullish on like another 20 20 shot shooting game for wiggins with the way at least like specifically culver has looked more comfortable shooting Yeah, right i think, I think that makes a lot
1: of sense i and i think that probably moves culver into cash game consideration as well he's not a guy I even wrote up but yeah looking at these game logs and the shots like you know, with rookies, it can get tricky this way. Where sometimes just something new happens, right? Like a lot of a lot of DFS is understanding that there's nothing new under the sun. Like you know, Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be Lamarcus Aldridge regardless of what he's done in the last five games. It's not really that way with rookies and to a lesser degree second-year guys. So yeah, we could be seeing uh, something of an emergence there. Um, on the Portland
0: side, they get C.J. McCollum back, and but the, the guy that's really – I mean, Hassan Whiteside has been, been at times just murdering people. He had 16-14, 21-18, 23-21. I mean, these were his last three games in terms of points and rebounds. Uh, and, and the minutes have been there. Pretty, I mean, that's always been his issue, right? Always the whole, Hassan Whiteside thing has never been, you know, can he put up fantasy stats? Whatever you want to say about it, whether he makes your team better or not, that's not – for this our purposes here, it's not really our concern. From a fantasy perspective, for him, it's only been about can he play the minutes very consistently? And that looks, right now, like all the world to be the case. Um, Are we trusting him as, like, one of the most expensive just overall plays on a given slate at this point? I mean, you know, we have Harden and guys like Donchie, those guys sit in their own class. But Whiteside is, you know, sort of behind Drummond. Where do you kind of rank them together? Um, You know, right now Whiteside's $1,400 cheaper Has his recent run and specifically the minutes been enough to show you that he can kind of sustain this price?
1: I think so. I mean, a lot of the issue with Whiteside in the minutes in the past has not really been anything that we know of of his own doing. It's just been coaches not really wanting to play him that often. And I think there's some reasonable criticisms to be made. You know, like a lot of his production is on the empty calories side of things. You know, it's big flashy blocks out of bounds, but then, you know, not really – doing anything when he's just lined up in the post against someone. There's some great videos early like this season of guys just like shooting over him and then being like a little like freaked out. Like, did I miss a whistle? Cause this guy didn't even move a muscle as I right. just took a jump shot over him. And so I, I certainly understand why he's a, a tough guy to watch, but I think from, you know, uh, for a lot of guys, we look at them and we're like, you know, listen, uh, Colin Sexton is just as motivated every night because he's just trying to make it in this league. I do think Whiteside is a motivation guy. We know that when he is motivated, like when he first came out and had his breakout uh, and he was just dropping those 20 rebound games, like you can tell when he's engaged. Right now he's fully engaged and I totally get it. I think the the discount on him is pretty appealing and if he goes up against Georgie Deng, like that's pretty appealing too. So yeah, I I can certainly see the case for Whiteside and Cash here. Um, I think I'd probably prefer Drummond. But, man, it's close. Um, you know, Whiteside is doing sort of drum and light things at a much cheaper salary. So, yeah, it's, that, that's a close one for me.
0: Yeah, I probably would lean Drummond, too. But Whiteside, like at Whiteside the fact that he's even making it close is, is an, interesting, it's an interesting proposition. Uh, what about Lillard here? Lillard, from a full-season fantasy perspective, has been really one of the best fantasy guys available now. it's not a guy we've run out there a ton in cash short of injury because, you know, they put Melo out there and they always have C.J. McCollum. But he still has a really high minutes floor and, you know, has mm-hmm. re- paid reasonable returns. His thing with fantasy-wise over the season, he's amazingly consistent over the course of the season. Like, he's play he plays yeah. every game, um, sort of like a season-long thing. That's why the price ends up being sort of fair. But we haven't priced – I mean, we haven't projected for – I think, yeah, right now, at least on FanDuel, the highest projected overall point guard, even higher than Russ. Does that feel correct to you uh, in this game, or would you be like, you know – Let's say we opted to go, and we're not doing this one-to-one, but if we opted to go Lillard over Westbrook at the same price on FanDuel and you saw Westbrook's ownership would higher, would that be a situation that worried you? Because sometimes I like to just sort of judge. I'm not saying we're going to do that, but I'm just trying
1: to compare these two guys. Yeah, so I think in that case, it's less about, you know, the sort of the absolute talent and production of those two players. Because I do think, you know, by that evaluation, uh, you'd have to give it to Russ. I mean, he's outscored Lillard. Uh, on a fantasy points-per-game basis this season, although it's been fairly close. But where things sort of get pretty separate here is in the matchups. So, you know, Russ goes up against OKC, and the backcourt combo of Chris Paul and SGA has been absolutely phenomenal this season at preventing uh, daily fantasy production. Like, they've been, I think, a a top-five team in that regard. And then you have Minnesota, who's not only banged up, but also just kind of bad, and Minnesota uh, worse against the point guard and shooting guard position than they are against other positions too so i think our system is going to view them as pretty attackable and pretty exploitable and so i think that's why it's kind of leaning into Lillard a little bit there so it's a combination of you know the matchup and the fact that these prices are being totally identical and these guys, you know Lillard and Russ are separated by basically one fantasy point on the season and i think that's enough to shift the needle towards Lillard's favor there
0: yeah, I think I hear that. Um, I, you know, Westbrook had 35 and 33 minutes, but then he, he can trend up to 38. So, uh, you know, Lillard's minutes floor is very, very high. I know that I don't need to just compare these guys one-to-one all the time because that's just really not – I just it's interesting that they're both the same price and we have them projected for almost yeah. the same amount. I'm just trying to figure out if a push came to shove, where I'd want to land. Any other quick thoughts here on Portland as they get healthier or that we can move on to the last game?
1: Yeah, Melo is still playable at 6,100. Uh, he's been shooting a lot. His production's really been there. Aside from that tough Miami game, he's topped 5x points per dollar in the three of the last four games. Uh, some of those were good matchups, but you know, going up against Toronto, not the greatest matchup. He led the team in shots uh, and total points and hit the game-winning shot. <laughs> so it's like, is there some real serious throwback Melo stuff going on right now? And I think at least offensively, he's contributing enough for Portland that, that he'll be out there. So I think the floor is plenty high Small forward's tough. You can definitely play him in cashier. All
0: right, nine thirty game. Revenge narratives abound. Houston goes in and plays mm. OKC. Uh, Russ, I think I believe this is Westbrook's first return back to Oklahoma City. Uh, and obviously the Chris Paul going the other way. Uh, Houston is two and a half point road favorites right now against the OKC team that's been very feisty this season. They've been they've just been not even feisty. They've just been good. They're twenty one sixteen. They're almost they're not at lock to make the playoffs because anything can happen and the trade deadline could loom large for them uh, depending on you know where guys like Paul and Gallo and even maybe Adams go and it's they're, they're in a fascinating situation about what they do with this team because right now they're 6 games up in the loss column on the for the playoffs against yeah. a bunch of teams that have to feel they have to feel like they're just you know objectively just better than at this point so yeah the the yeah. OKC thing is completely fascinating and then on the Rockets side they are going to get Westbrook coming back he sat the first end of the back to back um, sitting last night to let Harden just pour in, just what looked like he was going to get to hundred. I think he had fifty-five fantasy points at halftime, and then obviously, you know, like a bum didn't get there, but uh, it was still overwhelming and complete chalk. What do you want to do with this game with Westbrook coming back? You know, do we trust the OKC guys in cash? Give me your thoughts here.
1: Yeah, so these two teams did meet. Uh, I think it was their third game of the season, and in that game, both Harden and Westbrook were solid on these prices, uh, but sort of nothing to write home about. I think on a short enough slate, you're gonna Probably have to at least consider both of them. I think there is some value, especially with the Embiid thing happening. Uh, and I think, yeah, both of them are going to be in consideration. I think the the revenge narratives for Westbrook, potentially a little overblown. Like, you would have thought that if there was, like, some sort of deep-seated revenge. Like, cause we've seen these Russ games, right, where he shoots 30 times. Like, that's totally in his wheelhouse. He only shot 16 times when these two teams squared off earlier this season. And I think it's hard enough to get buckets and looks against uh, CP3 and Shea that it's uh, it's not a lock or anything. So I think it's it's very close. I think probably people will lean into Westbrook because of that revenge game narrative, which just wasn't even on the forefront of my mind here. Uh, I was kidding. I was
0: I was anything. kidding about that. I know though, you right? were.
1: I know you were kidding. But our chatters won't be later. And I think okay. a lot of people will look at this. You know, with him returning to OKC, and I think it's not outrageous to assume that you know that he'll potentially get like if there were a time for him to get extra looks, like this would sort of be it, right? So um so yeah i think i think both of those big guys are playable i don't think i would want to go down the path of many of these other plays though you know pj tucker is just kind of a non-entity offensively i suppose you can consider capella like he's he really should be out there to contend with adams like actually both of them kind of force the other team to to match them right so i think adams and capella both sort of true centers could be in line for mid 30s minutes here um yeah and those wind up being playable options but I think the as far as the headliners on Houston go, I can imagine both of them having pretty significant ownership here.
0: Now, right now we have Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander as 100% cash game plays on FanDuel at $7,200 and $6,500 respectively. Is that something you could see you know, maintaining here over the course of the day, this game does have a pretty high total. You know, Paul's minutes are going to sit right around 33, not really anymore unless they go to overtime. Uh, And SGA will play a lot of minutes, but he seems to be pretty scoring dependent at this point. Would you feel comfortable running both those guys as cash plays?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Houston, you know, again, it's a four-game slate, and you don't really have that many options. Houston's been very, very generous to opposing point guards and shooting guards this season from a DFS perspective. They play about league average defense, with the second fastest pace in the league. And I think that means, you know, getting these guys, uh, CP3 and Shea at just fair prices, means that you're gonna wind up sort of having to play them. Uh, They're kind of these mid-range enablers that just will fit in perfectly in cash game lineups. Like they don't ask much of you to play them uh, in the same way that like a Russ or Harden would. So yeah, I think, I don't see that changing, I guess is the long story short. Uh, OKC, just three and a half point underdogs, which again, after this trade was made, I think teams would have looked, people would have looked at this and be like, hey, these teams are going to play in January. What's the spread? Rockets heading into OKC. The fact that OKC is just three and a half point underdogs uh, means, yeah, everyone, and without Deck and Gallo, too, means that they've all got to be feeling pretty good here. So, yeah, I love the Thunder guys here.
0: All right, we're gonna get out of here. rankings dot com is the site DFSR dot com for short. Head on over, grab a free trial of projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA, also cover you through the rest of NFL, NHL, baseball when it comes around. It's all covered under one subscription package. So go check that out. DFSR dot com slash deals, buddy. Enjoy your Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night. and night, night. Peace.